If you would, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We'll have to do it the old-fashioned way. You don't have to read your own Bible or read your own phone since the PowerPoint's not working this morning. Yes, Barry's bringing the lights up for us right now so you all can see. There we go. Yes. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, and while you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, I want to thank you for the opportunity of being here at uh, Voice of Praise this morning. Uh, welcome home. It's good to see my our young friend Josh. Uh, he's from all the way down in Draper, Virginia, and he rode his motorcycle. Uh, you know, all the way over here this morning, and we're just believing he's gonna stay dry before he gets back home today. He's been, uh, he's been youth camp with us, he's been through talent with us, and, um, his family's been dear friends of mine for, uh, many, many years. Uh, so we're glad to have you, Josh, and as well as everybody else. If it's your first time in a long time, uh, or your first time ever, fill out a connect card. We have a very special gift for you. Just turn it in to the Connect Center on the way out, and we will put that gift in your hand. But I want to say thank you for being here. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinonim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his son's and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them. He answered, He being the Lord. Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. I want to preach to you this morning with the thought in mind of when your back is against the wall. When your back is against the wall. Now as we read this story, David has been out uh, to engage in battle. As he's out to engage in battle with he and his mighty men, he comes back home to this place, Ziklag, where he has taken up abode. Ziklag's very significant to us this morning. Achish sends David and his men home, which is a bit of a disappointment. And as they get back to Ziklag, they find Ziklag has been destroyed. Literally. Literally burned. Everything's gone. The families have been taken away. And, and what's even more um, more devastating in that is, has the families have been taken away, not only are the families now in captivity, but in essence, 
the seed of David has been destroyed. Or at least the kingdom of David has, it would have been known, is now over. So, the Amalekites, their enemy, it's the enemy of the Jew, have done all of this damage. An uprising happens within the camp of David. He's the leader and there's a old saying by one of my favorite authors, John Maxwell. It's not really a real old saying, but it's he penned it a number of years ago. And, and uh, Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And that's very true in so many ways. So we find that that uh, that David becomes the uh, he is to blame for everything that's happened. Even though he's out with all of his men, he's doing what he should be doing and leading his men. And uh, he had good intentions in in fighting his battle. But now, as they get back and 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 he's finding that their homes have been destroyed and all of their families and all of the seed has been taken captive, that the people needed somebody to blame, and who better to blame than their leader? So Zach, so David's to blame, and uh, the uprising occurs in his camp, and they're even speaking of stoning him, which was uh, not only death, but it was also an embarrassment. But I want you to know there's importance this morning in the place where they're, they've gone to, because the place that they've gone to is actually, uh, we read there, it's known as Ziklag. And Ziklag is very, very important to us in this message this morning because Ziklag in itself actually means to be pressed or it means smelting. It means, it means to be pressed like olives pressed in an olive press. It means to be sm- smelting like iron, smelted in a furnace, melted down. It, it means, Ziklag means that you're broken down to the furthest extent. And Ziklag, as it appears in this story, can, can represent our journey with the Lord this morning. Our encounter with the Lord. Ziklag can, can, can represent that in our Christian life, every single one of us get to a point in life where we feel that we have been totally crushed, totally broken, we're totally melted down. We're devastated. That's what, that's what Ziklag signifies to us this morning. On our, in, on our journey in Christ, it is the place where, where we become pressed. The heat is turned up. But let me tell you, that is, that is not the worst thing in the world. Although, let me say this to you, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. None of us like it when we're broken. None of us like it when when the heat is turned up. But it's when the heat is turned up that we become refined in the fire. It's when we're broken and and when we're crushed. It's when the grape is crushed that the juice comes forth. You see, it's not the worst place in the world, but yet it's not the pleasant place in the world. In reality, if you would pardon me and let me share it this way. It's the occasion where the men are separated from the boys. And the women are separated from the girls. 
It, it's, it's, you know, being saved is a wonderful thing and, and, and our, our salvation is made secure through Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, as we begin the road of serving Christ, as we walk this road of Christianity, there are going to be zigzags in our life. There's going to be a separation. You know, the men from the boys and the, and the women from the girls. There's going to be episodes in our life where we are going to be broken, we're going to be crushed, and we're going to be wondering if we even have a future and maybe even those that have uh, that we have influence over will have rocks in their hand ready to stone us. See, David's back was against the wall in all of this. But remember that it's in the fire where we're refined. It's under pressure. Whenever something is molded, it's put under a pressure. And even though it's not pleasant and we really don't like it. It's actually a necessity of in the work of God that He's doing in our life. Now, am I saying God did these things to David or He does these things to us? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that God will allow those things to come our way. And as He allows those things to come our way, it's a necessary part of our experience in Him to for Him to reveal His our hidden reliance on other things. You see, because you and I, whether we want to admit it or not, we're guilty of relying on other things. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a doctor, but how many times do we go to the doctor before we pray? I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that it's uh, wrong to, to, to pursue any professional for any reason in life that we have, but, but is there, is there those occasions in our life, whatever the need could be, that we, uh, we, we pursue, uh, third party professional help rather than seeking God? Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. How many times do, how many times do we find, even within our own being, how many times do we find ourselves working it out rather than giving it to God? Reminds me of a, a church age that I read about in Revelation. A church age that says, we're rich, we're increased with goods, and we don't have need of anything. How many times do, do we find ourselves, uh, you know, working through things and, and in, in essence, we find ourselves in positions of, of dealing with things in life and issues of life that we don't admit it, but we really don't need God for. Because we can fix it ourselves. We have the money to fix it. We have the ability to fix it. Or we know somebody that can fix it for us. And I'm not saying there's, there's, there's nothing, uh, none of those things are without value because they are and all of that's good and well and thank God for those blessings in our life. I'm not saying that at all. But then there's those, 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 uh, Amalekite moments that happen in our life. There's uh, those Ziklag moments that, that happen in our life and we find ourselves in Ziklag and it's when we find ourselves in Ziklag that that then there's no other source can help us and we find ourselves calling on God. You see, it's in that Ziklag moment again that God allows 
these moments to occur in our life in order that we may realize how much we need Him. Or we may realize how much we're dependent on other things other than Him. So ziklags are not pleasant, but yet ziklags are good. It is, it is at Ziklag that David pressed further into God than he had been before he went out to battle. Because he went out, when he went out to battle, things were okay. He even, he even was, he even was unsuccessful in battle, if you would. But the unsuccessful in, you know, that may have been hard to come to grips with. That may have hurt his ego a little bit. That, that no doubt it bothered him some, but it was nothing to compare when they begin to, and I, I'm not certain of the terrain, but allow me, if you would, to paint a picture. It wasn't anything like when David got to the top of the hill and he looks over into the town uh, of Ziklag and he sees nothing but smoke rising up and the houses are burned and nothing is standing and maybe even he smells the flesh where the animals have been burned and suddenly David realizes as they run to the village and all of their family, uh, they're gone maybe they find relief that their family wasn't massacred and destroyed in the fire but yet they know that they have been taken captive it was in that moment that David realizes I I've got to do something. And David grieves. And he finally they cry until they can cry no more. And then David finds himself being turned on by his very own. And they're ready to stone him. But what David does in that moment is very crucial in his success and in his future. And what you and I do in those moments when we're backed against the wall is also very important to our future and to our destiny. Because it was when David had cried all he could cry. It was when David's friends had the rocks in their hands. It was in that moment of time that David's back was totally against the wall that you read in verse 6 that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Not in his own power, not in his own strength, but he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. The second thing that you see happen is that David enters in to a period of intercessory prayer. You say, Pastor, now I don't see that it says intercessory prayer anywhere in there. But it does. Because when David says, go get the ephod, and, and in this, in this period of time, it was a linen ephod, uh, unlike the ephod that was used by the priests in the tabernacle, but this was a linen ephod. The linen ephod is a representation of intercession. In other words, the linen ephod, if you would, is a representation of Jesus. Are you with me? The linen ephod is a representation of Jesus. It was probably sort of like an, an apron or either a, a, uh, that, that draped across the chest or either bolted around, uh, belted around the waist. But that linen ephod, it represents throughout scripture, it will represent a moment or a time of intercession. And, and the scripture tells us, that there is one mediator between God and man. 
And his name is Jesus. You see, so, so David finds himself, he finds himself encouraging himself in the Lord, his God. And the second thing that happens is that David, David enters in to a, a time of intercession. The ephod is representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when I read the New Testament, I find that the Lord, that the Lord tells us that when we don't know what to pray for, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of comfort, the Spirit of Christ that He sent when He ascended to the Father, when we don't even know what to say, that the Spirit of the the Lord will make intercessions and groanings for us that we don't even know how to utter. We don't know how to mention them. We don't know how to call out. And that linen ephod represents the intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we read it there about Abathar, when he, when he uses Abathar, Abathar means the father of abundance. He is interceding. He is pursuing the father of abundance. And he is seeking the purity and the anointing of God in his situation. He is sanctifying himself before the Lord. He is seeking the presence of the Lord and the ephod represents the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in his circumstance. And that's what you and I need. When our back is against the wall, when we don't know what else to do, when we have been crushed, when we have been, we are being melted down, when everything is, is gone wrong that can go wrong, when our friends and our, and our, and our constituents are all gathered around us and they have their stones in their hands and they've given up on us. They've, they've given up on us. They don't believe us anymore, believe in us anymore and they're ready to cast a stone. That's when we encourage ourselves in the Lord and we begin to seek the face of God through intercession. And allow Jesus to step up and to fight our battles. And then in verse 8. In verse 8, when you, when you read there, it says, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this party? And then he said, Will I overtake them? So we see that, that David, if you would, made an inquiry not to his will, but he made an inquiry of God's will. You know, despite what we may think, God's plan for our life might not match our plans for our life. Sometimes I, I can remember a season of my life that I had to work a job that I despised. I, 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 I would literally get sick going to work. I despise that job. It was young in my Christian life and, and I look back now and I, I see and I realize and I know God had me on that job for a season for a purpose. But you know what? I didn't see it at that moment. I didn't see it at that time. Many times there are circumstances in our life that God has us walking through circumstance, living in circumstances. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's some other circumstance in your life. But God has us going through those seasons in our life that, and we will grow and we will, we will be blessed and it, but it may not be pleasant, but it's all for His glory. David began to inquire of the will of the Lord. What I want for me is not all the time what God has planned for me. 
And sometimes, uh, and I, I, I've always phrased it this way, and yes, there are scriptures that support this, this theology, if you would. We can choose to walk in the perfect will of God, meaning, perfect will meaning the complete. We can choose to walk in the complete will of God, or we can choose to oftentimes walk in the permissive will of God, and then we can be totally out of His will. You know, the, the, the people we read in the, in the scripture, how the people of Israel, they said, we want someone to rule over us like all the other nations of the world. God said, no, 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 I'm your ruler. I, I'm to rule over you. No, we want somebody like all the other nations of the world. And God said, okay, you can have it. And it was to less than their advantage. You know, sometimes in our life, we, we, we want what we want in life and it may not line up or it may not match exactly what God wants for our life. But David began to inquire the will of the Lord. Have you and I, do, have we inquired, Lord, what do you will for me? While my back's against the wall. What do you will for me? What should I do now? What is your will for me? Why am I here? Why am I in this situation? Lord, what's your will for my life? David said, Lord, now David's instinct, David's a warrior. He's a man of, he's a mighty man of valor. David has, has, David has conquered, you know, Saul got upset about that. Then David has conquered, Saul had conquered his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. David was a warrior. It, it probably wasn't even, in, in, in David's mind, it probably wasn't even a, a question. In David's mind, it probably wasn't even a thought. Should I, should we chase after these Amalekites? That probably wasn't, wasn't even a thought at all. But yet David considered the will of God. He said, Lord, it wasn't that David feared being defeated, but David wanted to know God's will. God, should I chase after these bandits? Should I chase after these thugs that have burned our town and have taken our family? Should I chase after them? God says, you pursue. Pursue. You go ahead, David, and you pursue. And then David says, Oh Lord, if I do, will I succeed? Will I succeed? And God said, you will succeed. You see, when our back's against the wall, when our back's against the wall and we're being pressed down, we're being molded and we're being shaped in ziklag, it's important that we pursue the face of God. It's important that we, that we encourage ourselves in the Lord. It's important that we, that we take on the ephod, that we begin to, to enter into intercession and, and, and pray and seek God's will and then, and then allow Him to speak into our lives and whatever He speaks into His life. I often wonder when I read this account, I wonder what would happen if God had said, y'all go ahead and pursue, but you're going to lose when you get there. I mm. wonder if David would have pursued. We'll never know. We'll never know. But the fact of the matter is, when our back is against the wall, If we can overcome our dependency on ourselves and the circumstances that maybe surround us, 
And when, when our back's against the wall, we, we, all of the resources that we, that we've had available to us have been used up and all of our resources are gone. And we begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And we put on the ephod. We put on the ephod. We begin to take on the intercession. There's one mediator between God and man. And his name is Jesus. And even when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit will pray for us utterings and groanings that we can't muster up. As Madison and whoever comes back for the altar service, I want to read to you the words of a song. Sarah and I were driving. Sarah and I were driving down the we were driving down the road yesterday, and I hadn't heard this song in a long time, and it came on uh, Spotify. We were listening to Spotify and it came on in the music that we were listening to. And the words to this song, and many of you, many of you that are our age are, are going to remember it. It actually did very well for a long time. And this song says, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times that I didn't no right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I've been lots of places and I've seen lots of faces. There have been times I've felt so all along. But in my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was His own. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that He could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. And I have learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I have learned to depend upon His Word. So when our back's against the wall, Ziklag will be impressed. We're being molded. We're being melted down. So we can be shaped. In Ziklag. Where we cry until we can cry no more. In Ziklag. Where our closest of closest. Have stones in their hands. To cast in our direction. In Ziklag. Is where we can. Find the closest encounter. With God. That was David. That was David. I just want you to bow your heads with me. For just a moment. With your heads bowed. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm the only person in the room here. 
that's looking around. So, I, and I'm not going to—I'm not in the business of embarrassing anybody. I don't want to be embarrassed, and I'm not going to embarrass somebody else. But in this room this morning, the first and most important need anybody could have is that you are not in good standings. You're not in right standings with God through Jesus Christ. Either you've never been saved or you've drifted far away and you need to renew your commitment with Christ. If that's you in this room this morning, if you need to be saved or if you have, if you have backslidden, if you have drifted away and you need to renew your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, would you slip up your hand without any embarrassment? Anybody in this room? Thank you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else in this room? Who in this room then can say this morning, say, Pastor, you know what? I feel like my back's against the wall. My back is against the wall. I'm in Ziklag. I'm in Ziklag right now. My back's against the wall. And I'm ready to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm ready to, I'm ready to pursue the Lord in intercessory prayer. I'm ready to chase after Him. I'm ready to pursue His will. Is there anybody in this room say, Pastor, my back's against the wall and I'm ready to move out. Is there one person in this room? Thank you, thank you. A number of hands have gone up in this place. Any others? Thank you. Any others? This is what I want us to do right now. As we, as we, uh, I, I've preached this message. I've done what the Lord's given me to do this morning. Now the old adage, the ball is in your court. I have led the proverbial horse to the water. Now it's up to you all to drink. So if, if you've raised your hand, I think there's something special about coming to the altar. But I'm going to make it real easy for you because I'm going to ask as many as can and would. Whether you slipped up your hand, whether you didn't. If you wanted to, but you didn't, that's okay too. <laughs> but I'm going to ask everybody that can and will to make your way to this to the front of this room. And we're going to pray and we're going to seek the face of God. And we're just going to believe that you're going to be restored and renewed spiritually. We believe that you're going to increase, that you're going to find and discover the will of the Lord for your life. Would you come and join me up here this morning?